1: So, an actor is saying his lines, and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. My
2: hills are alive with the sound of Jimmy. Don't cry for me.
3: Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Davey Nathan. Davey Nathan is here. In
4: the thank you, for, Thank you in, for, you, you officially win for the coolest backdrop, backdrop background of any person that we've talked to.
0: Oh, oh for mm. sure. Thanks, y'all. What yeah, is in the
4: background it. there? That's a, that, that, those are a bunch of toys that I want to play with.
0: A bunch <laughs> of like old synthesizers. It's like oh the God. most expensive wallpaper ever.
3: Are you, are you in your studio?
0: Yes. Is um,
3: this a studio in your home or is this like.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm in my house, uh, which I never leave, even prior to COVID. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I work out of here in California. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like the dream home studio setup for me.
4: Uh, mm-hmm. Well, this week we are particularly talking about Jingle Jangle. The new Christmas spectacular that's coming out on Netflix. Um, and when we drop this, we're recording it a little before, but it, this is going to be—it is literally today. It's coming out today. Um, and so we're here to talk to Davy about it. Um, we're so thrilled that you're here. We're going to rattle off a couple of your credits, um, just a f- just a few, to make you feel wildly uncomfortable. Uh, right. Davy is a singer. Uh, Davy is a songwriter, producer, pianist, and music director whose work was considered for a Grammy in 2017 as a producer and songwriter. He's worked with Listum. Rodney J- Jerkins, Tony Braxton, Philip Lawrence, Bruno Mars, Mary J. Blides, Jennifer Hudson, Robin Thicke, Tamara Braxton, Kenny Babyface Edmonds, Queen Latifah, and a million others.
3: Uh, Dan, how'd I do? As um, a pianist, uh, pretty good. Except, with- <laughs> except, let's just for the for the, for the people in Wisconsin, um, <laughs> Philip Lawrence is Bruno Mars. So just let's just make yeah. that very Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah it's slash
4: partner, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There, yeah, um, and uh, as a pianist and music director, he's toured the world with Christina Aguilera, Tony Braxton, Patti LaBelle, uh, also Babyface, Colby Calais, um, among so many others. TLC, Brian McKnight. This is crazy. I, you are. <laughs> this is we 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 are very uncool. What's it on this like podcast. to be you?
0: <laughs> What's it like to be cool? <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I can't believe I did all that stuff. That's that's crazy. <laughs> but I did it. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, it, it just happened and it was 10 years of touring with all those people. Um, and I stopped doing that about six years ago. So I can give you my whole story. Yeah. Let's yeah. hear it. We it want all of it. Ride. Um, I'm originally from Israel and amazing. I moved to the States when I was 17. Um, and I went to high school uh, for one year and then I went to Berkeley. Nice. in Boston. Berkeley College of Music, and there I started like really working in the you know in the clubs around town, and I was in a wedding band for six years, and um, then I got my first tour was with Brian McKnight. I was 24 years old, and I toured with him for a year and a half, and then that started my touring career. I toured for 10 years with all those people. Amazing. Um, my second gig was with Patti LaBelle. And that was like wow. my, my real school. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's she, no, she took there's,
4: you to school, literally. Yeah, yeah.
0: Literally, there's no computer on stage. It's in real time. She is the real deal. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, I think after a few months, so when I started, I was the third keyboard player. There was a pianist, an organist, and I was playing keyboards. And I don't think she even noticed that I was there till I <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even know I was on stage. <laughs> so many people on stage, you know, and um, slowly I graduated to second keyboard chair. And then after a few months, I was musical director. I was playing piano. And wow. the way that it happened was I got a call two days before a show. and It was like, we need you to be a musical director in two days and oh run the show yeah you know, run the band and all the background singers and just her and run it, run the ship. And I did it and I did it for about six months and it was an amazing experience. Um, you know, she, she has 50 albums. So right. yeah. <laughs> she would come to Soundcheck and at the end of Soundcheck, she'd be like, oh, I want to do this song tonight. And so it would be my oh job my to go to the dressing room I think iTunes would just started and, and I would download the song and write charts for everybody and here, There we go. See you on stage.
4: <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. So, See, that was, that was my question. I was going to say, did she just like, you know, in the middle of it, just start shouting out t- songs that like, <laughs> you know, may, you know, your, the band may or may not know. Right. Right.
0: And, and she is so real that if in the middle of the show, if she wants to go on a rant, or like cuss the band out or something like that. You're like, all right, break it down, break it
3: down. Let me talk to these
4: people. And the
0: will just go so off. Awesome. Oh my God. This is awesome. That's um, so sick. Yeah, I have a lot of paddle Bell stories.
3: Um, no, but I, I just want to just highlight something there. Now, it's not something that, you know, as a non-musician myself, just a singer, <laughs> just a humble singer, um, I'm pretty <laughs> impressed by the fact that you can just like hear these charts and write out all these charts for all these people and all these instruments. Um, what's your background like as a, as a musician before kind of getting into touring and doing all of that stuff? How did you get into being such a, uh, music director whiz?
0: Right. Um, well, I, let me see, I started taking lessons when I was five and I had a good teacher when I was growing up who taught me harmony and theory when I was like 10. So by the time I got to high school and I went to an arts high school in Israel and they taught us all that stuff. And I already knew it. Um, harmony and theory. Um, yeah. And then when I got to Berkeley, they taught us that stuff again. So it it was just like, I was always playing piano always went hand in hand with harmony and theory and and knowing all all that stuff. And, uh, and also I'll, I'll mention ear training. Um, ear training is so important as a musician. I, I think listening is like the first instrument that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was, you know, I don't like to show off, but I was born with perfect pitch. But, um, but even that is something that I always work on, even to this day. Um, so I remember even being six, seven, eight years old, listening to the radio and, and picking out the notes or the mm-hmm. chords, um, you know, in pop songs or something like that. And then if I couldn't figure something out, I would go to the piano and figure it out. So ear training was always something I did. It goes hand in hand with harmony and theory. So, um, that's amazing that. And then when I was 18, I started working and playing in clubs and playing weddings and, Mm -hmm. um, I would have to write charts all the time and I would have to do it quickly. So I just got good at writing charts. Uh, Hmm. and then fast forward, I'll fast forward to like 10 years ago. I, I worked on, X Factor, mm. uh, the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And on that show, we would have to learn 150 songs a week. Oh. <laughs> so you, you have to be really quick at writing part. Like So basically, like I, I listen to a song and I'm writing it as the song is going on.
2: Oh like, like you have to.
0: You don't right. have time for it. So same with the, the touring with uh, McKnight or, or Patty LaBelle or Tony Braxton. <clears throat> I was kind of known around <clears throat> the musician's world as like, I could learn a show really, really quickly. Like mm-hmm. in two days I could learn a show and then go play it. Um, cause I would just chart everything out, every little move and all the songs and transitions and also, uh, wow. keyboard patches or whatever. Um, I started playing a lot of keyboards, but then I transitioned to piano as far as my mm-hmm. touring career. So, so that's how just, uh, knowledge of harmony theory and ear
4: training. I, I love that so much. And I, I, when I was growing up, uh, you know, mom put me in front of a piano and, you know, doing piano lessons or whatever. And I loved, I, I could figure everything out by ear. And my, my teacher was like, you know, no, you got to read the notes, read the notes, read the notes, read the notes. And I it wasn't until we started studying theory in college where it was like, no, ear training is a skill and it can be developed and it's not just a party trick when you're right. like eight years old, 10, you know, I was like 10 years old and I was like, this is kind of what imagine sounds like. And right. My mom was like, you're a genius. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, well that's cool. But like never developed it. And then that's one of the things that I, I tell students and young people all the time. Like if you sit down at the piano, like le- your, learning ear training is so incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also sounds like in a world pre, you know, we have like guitar tabs and, you know, computers and stuff. This was probably a world where you know, this was before all of that. You had to chart out 10,000 right. Patti LaBelle songs and, and you had no cheat. You had no way to cheat, which
0: like, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. and also ear training, I think is kind of limitless, uh, because even if you're really good, I could, you know, put a, I don't know, um, like a big band arrangement. And can you hear all the instruments and what they're playing? Or I could put on like Stravinsky, and can you hear everything? And, right. You know, hear all the harmony and what you know the relationship between the notes and everything. And that that's the real test. I, I remember when I was 18 at Berkeley, I started transcribing solos, jazz solos, and uh, Herbie Hancock really opened my hearing up. Like it was like a real experience of like before Herbie and after Herbie, listening to music. Right. When you transcribe jazz solos, it kind of opens up your hearing, where you can hear things a uh, lot faster, and you you just dissect music differently. It's mm. hard to to describe the experience, but um, yeah, ear training is where so it.
4: cool. That's yeah. so freaking cool. Um, well, we want to keep talking about all, first of all all of this, but we 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 brought you on to talk about Jingle Jangle in, in particular because. Yeah. This is such an exciting new project. Um, uh, And the the little bit that we were able to read about it, because it feels like it's been very hush-hush, yet it's been in development for 20 years or something, it feels like, based on what we were able to sort of uh, read. But um, we'll talk a little bit about this movie, and then we really want to know how you got involved and and also your relationship, because we are guys who like musicals, what your relationship is to to musical theater. Um, But uh, Jingle Jangle is going to come out today. It's written and directed by David E. Talbert. The film is set in the town of Cobbleton and follows legendary toy maker, how do we say
3: What Geron- is it? Jeronicus. Geronicus yeah. Jangle. Yes. Played
4: by Forrest Whitaker, whose fanciful inventions burst with whimsy and wonder. But when his trusted apprentice, Keegan-Michael Key, steals his most prized possession, it's up to his equally bright and inventive granddaughter and a long-forgotten invention to heal old wounds. Honestly, this trailer is unbelievable.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> totally. This trailer was a bright spot in 2020. I know they they don't make movies like this anymore. No.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's Netflix's first live-action musical, correct?
0: Right. Yes.
4: It's it's so sick. Um, How did you? How did you come to to work on the project? How did this? How did this come about for you?
0: Right. This is a really long story. So great. We got. We got.
4: That's literally why you're here. (laughs) um, We got
3: time. We got time.
0: (laughs) So. uh, OK, so after Patti LaBelle, I started working with Tony Braxton and I did a couple tours with her. And then she got a Vegas show. So she said, I want you to move to Vegas, I Moved to Vegas, did the show with her. I was in Vegas for three years. In that time, I met Philip Lawrence in Vegas. Um, we were working with an artist that lives in Vegas and that artist would bring Phil to help out with songwriting and and vocal arrangements and that kind of thing. And Philip was, um, a broke songwriter living in LA, um, sleeping on couches, that kind of thing. And, um, the way that Phil and I would write songs was that we would just improvise. Like I would just start playing and he would just start singing and he improvises lyrics and melody. He's one of the only people that I've ever met that can do that. Wow. Um, and I, wow. I have, yeah, it's, it's really incredible. And I have a jazz background. So I love, improvising and and it's just he is like a jazz musician to me um so but we were making these like r&b songs and and one day we were improvising and it sounded like musical theater Mm. and and he looked at me and he said we're gonna write a musical one day oh my god philip is a very epic dude you know um yeah Yeah. and then uh he goes back to la he meets bruno mars (laughs) (laughs) the, the rest is their history right and, right. um, and and they, for people
4: who kind of don't know, that as you picture, as you picture the hooligans, and if you picture Bruno Mars, Philip is literally right next to him. He's with the glasses. That's right. He's right there. So for people, yeah. you know, in our in our audio, audio podcast
0: world, that might be yeah helpful. And you know, originally they they got together in order to like their goal was to write for other people. They didn't think mm-hmm. Bruno was the star. Um, so they were a team, and so. But, you know, things happened how they did and Bruno blew up. And uh, I remember in 2009, I went back to L.A. and I started seeing them perform. And I was like, oh, here's Phil. And they blew up first album, second album with uh, um, Treasure and, you know, Locked Out of Heaven. And, And then it was a couple of months before they did the Super Bowl for the first time. I get a phone call from Phil. It was eight years later. I had the same number. He had the same number. And he said, all right, you ready to do this musical? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we both started laughing and uh, I was at his house the next night and the project was, um, it was a movie for Fox called the greatest showman. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Heard of it. <laughs> heard, of it. <laughs> yeah. heard of it.
4: So, sorry. What? So this is 2000, 2009? 12,
0: 13, 13, oh, maybe 2013. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Wow. Um, So we started working on Showman and, uh, we met with the director a bunch of times and we flew to New York. We recorded Hugh Jackman and we thought we had this thing and they just, then they just stopped calling,
2: you know? Um,
0: we, we we later found out that they went through about six or seven other teams
2: Mm -hmm.
0: of songwriters until they ended up with Pask and Paul and, um, Wow. Yeah. We didn't get that gig. (laughs) Phil and I were, you know, reconnected and, you know, he was touring the world. And then there were, uh, there was a period of two years that he worked on 24 carat magic. Oh. And and by the way, when we were working on showman, he was working on this one song for nine months that was driving him crazy. (laughs) And that was uptown funk. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So we were reconnected. So then fast forward to two and a half years ago, we get a call from Julia Michaels, who was the music supervisor for showman at the time. And mm-hmm. she was on showman, I believe for three years. Um, so she had our songs on her hard drive. And oh so when David Talbert came to her because she's the music supervisor on Django. He came to her and he said, I need a songwriting team. And she said, Oh, well, I have these songs. These guys did for showman.
4: And he heard them and he's like, I love it. Let's meet them. Wow. Whoa. Got <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. That's awesome. That,
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
4: That is such, I mean, from, from a Vegas, like, Hey, one, you know, mm-hmm. I, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So then when you go to that meeting <sighs> yeah. with her and and with David, do you, had you written more demos? Did you, or like, or you just, you sat down and you're like, Hey, do you want to, You know, was it more about like sort of like a chemistry meeting as opposed to like, here's all, you know, here's what we see for the project or how did that go?
0: We we didn't know anything about the project. Um, David Talbert had the idea in his head for 20 years. Wow. Um, So the the first meeting was myself, Philip and David at Phil's house. Um, And we just clicked, the three of us. It was just synergy. We just like, I don't know how, we just clicked and... We did our, Phil and I have our little, uh, uh, our little, a little thing that we do where we, you know, after in, in every meeting we go to the piano and I just start playing and Phil starts singing and we improvise a <laughs> song and so dong and pony show. And, um, <laughs> so we did that and, and Talbert was just so into it and he's like, all right, well go write a song. I don't think that there was a script even at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, So we wrote a song and that was, you know, the first song that we wrote. And we actually had Shoshana Bean demo it.
4: No. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so a little backstory. The reason that yeah. The reason
3: that Davey is here is because Shoshana Bean texted me and said, Hey, I have some friend who's written some movie. (laughs) Do you want to have him on your podcast? And I was like, I mean, I'll do anything for Shoshana. I was like, Yeah, of course. And then she sends me who it is, and I was like, Wait, the movie's jingle, jank. Are you kidding me, Shoshana? Like, just playing it cool, playing it cool, like she always does, always plays it cool. How do you guys know each other?
0: So, I met Shoshana in 2004. I was playing for Brian McKnight, and she mm-hmm. was, you know, I don't know if she was signed to Brian or if she was about to be. I'm not sure, but she was around the camp. And that's how we met. And um, I believe that she was. She came from New York. We met in LA. She came from New York with mm-hmm. David Cook, her piano player, who's still her piano player. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we just—I I, don't—I don't really remember that period that well. But we met five years later in LA, mm. and we were out somewhere, and we're like, you know, I remember you, and and we mm-hmm. became inseparable since. Um, I've played so many shows with her. We've traveled the world together. We. Uh, we've been to Hawaii so many times together, playing shows like just me and her and, um, I've done uh, her shows at the standard so many times. Yeah. Yeah. During COVID, uh, we've done shows here at my house. Um, and I, I stopped playing professionally, uh, in 2014. So six years ago, but Shoshana is the only person I still play with.
3: Wow, <laughs> that's amazing.
4: She's
0: sneaky. That's awesome. Yeah, she's so sneaky. And we owe her. Back to uh, you know,
4: we
3: yeah. owe her a, a sandwich at least. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah right, great, great. A t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she has one. Back to the oh, uh, back to Jingle Jangle. Um, yeah. to, to us, you know, yeah. it seems like it is a good old fashioned linear book musical, a la you know the great Disney movie musicals that we've covered on this show a lot and that we love and grew up on. Right. Um, what's your history? history with musicals have have you studied the form are you a fan at all you know how did you how did you go about this process of writing something kind of outside of your comfort zone
0: yeah so um i'm not a musical theater kid sure um, yeah. i grew up uh, going to a lot of musicals my mom would take uh, me and my brothers two musicals when we were young um and i always liked them and i, I liked the songs and. Uh, and then I would watch a, a lot of movies. I grew up on Mary Poppins and, and, you know, those kinds of films, Same. Uh, yeah. but I was never like in high school. I was not in, you know, I was into jazz. Right. You
3: know? Again, a lot cooler than
4: Joe yes, and I ve- were. Ve- just, very cool. just, just everything opposite of us. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, but you know, when I, when I meet these like musical theater kids, especially like, the piano players and the musical directors, and arrangers they just know it so well in the sondheims and this and that and i and i just don't like i didn't grow up with it i don't know that world that well um but i would go to to the theater especially when i lived in vegas i I saw a lot of shows Um, whenever i was in new york i would go to see shows but i I was never in that world yeah Um, and same with phil uh I, i believe he's had the same upbringing like He would see shows every once in a while. I think actually he may have been like in shows. Like when he was 18, I think he was in uh, Lion King in like Florida or something. Oh, wow. He was maybe a little more involved than I was. But, you know, we both come from, I come from jazz. He comes from like pop, R&B, gospel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we we always liked it. You know, we always liked musical theater and and the songs and, you know, telling a story through song and and all that. so working on Django was a, a huge learning experience for me. Um, I, I, I like to research. I'm a, I'm a big researcher. So if mm-hmm. I dive into something, like I just dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Like even when I, when I first started playing with Tony Braxton, like uh, a month or two before I got the gig, like I just got all of her albums and listened to everything. And then once I was on on the road with her, I got all the Babyface albums and all the Anita Baker albums because that's who she listened to. Right. So right. I just right. dive all the way in. So when we started working on Jangle, um, I got into it. I got into musical theater through the songwriters, and and I got into like more like film musicals. So um, right. right. Totally. The Stone Brothers were my first uh the first thing i I dove into and i watched everything and you know learned everything i could about them uh and i'm a huge fan they're they're incredible and then uh minkin you know yeah Yeah. you you can't you can't make a a movie musical without you know uh acknowledging what he's done and also he's scored those movies too which is incredible yeah Yeah. (laughs) like what so, um, yeah, I just watched everything I could and, and just watched like how, you know, how he writes the song for the bad guy, the, the I want song, um, right. the the inspirational. So all of that. Um, and it was more about just watching as much as I could. And then mm-hmm. when we sat down to write a song, usually we we would have like 20 minutes to write a song. So, um, I, you know, it would all just, just kind of pour out, you know.
4: 20 minutes. What do you mean? Like, like there was, there were deadlines, like you guys were in a, in a moment and they're like, Hey, we need a, we need a musical yeah. moment right here. Like run in the other room. Like, like, yeah. you know, you know, like John and Paul trying to like write a song as quickly as
0: possible or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I go back to the story. Like, uh, we met Talbert that one night and he said, write me a song. We right. wrote one song Shoshana Bean demoed it. And that was the song that got the movie greenlit. Um, wow. Netflix heard the song, loved it. I was like, "Yes!" Um, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of the big song in the movie. Can't wait for people to hear it. Uh, Madeline Mills, who's the the actress, she's like ten years old.
2: Mm-hmm. Her song, it's
0: yeah. uh, called "Square Root of Possible." And so that you know, we started that journey. So for about eight months, I had Phil and Talbert here in my studio every day. Um, and we were writing songs. We wrote over 30 songs and ended wow.
4: up with eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds like a musical. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's the story. That's the sort of, Oh, this is a bad one, but that's the tale as old as time. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the, you are know, writing just, Oh, you know what we did. We, we talked about the music man on here, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and Meredith Wilson wrote like, Dan, what was it like 80, 80 some odd songs or something?
3: Like 75 songs. And the same yeah. thing was true for, um, Alan Menken's, uh, Aladdin, which he wrote with Howard, Howard Ashman. And they mm-hmm. basically had a full version of the musical that was 40 songs and then only eight of those exist. And then there's other songs that they didn't write. So it's right. You know, it's right. just Good thing. You're good at improving and, and moving quickly. Um,
0: <laughs> right. But, um, the way that we would hand in songs, uh, like they would be fully produced. Um, not piano wow. vocals. Um, so yeah. So I mean, I would do it all at home, but you know, some of the songs are huge, and you know, I would yeah. arrange for for strings and horns and band and choirs and you know, because the you know David Talbot wanted to hear it the way it was going to be. Right. Um, so for eight months, we were writing and messing with these songs and tweaking them, and you know, he it, it could be like he would say. You know, after the second chorus, give me thirty-two bars of, of of score music. I'm gonna have the camera pan down and go and do all this stuff. Like film score. And I would right. do it. It would take a day to do it. He call me the next day. Oh man, I love it. It's great. Three days later, I don't know, take it out.
4: Oh god. <laughs> oh, a lot god. Of that.
0: <laughs> um even uh, so you know, we wrote the first song. The second song we wrote was the opening number, which as you know is a huge number. Yeah, um, always. Yeah, and it's a duet, and there's, it ends up with, with a choir and, and all the characters and everyone singing together, and it's a huge, huge number. It took us a long time to get it right. Uh, I would say at least 50 revisions. And, wow. Yeah, of lyric, melody, form, whatever. So fast forward a year later, we're at Air Studios in London. Uh, we're three weeks before we start shooting, And at this point, you know, it's a huge production. I'm, you know, I was used from, from touring and, you know, touring with Christina Aguilera or like new kids on the block. is like, there's a hundred people on staff, 10 semi trailers. Like it's Mm -hmm. a huge production, but a movie is a completely different game. (laughs) Right. So you you have like uh, all these buildings with people, like designing the costumes and the shots and the sets and, it's a lot right Mm -hmm. so and all based on our songs which was which was a trip because it was like songs that we just wrote here now like all these people are working on them so we're in a studio and we're we're doing the pre-record so the cast is coming in and we're recording them on on the songs and david talbert comes in one day and he's like you know the opening number i don't think it's right oh and, and I said, well, you know, once we get like the real like drums and, and orchestra, because it was all MIDI, like I was all demoing. It, I said, you know, it would be great. And he's like, no, I just, I think we need a new song.
2: Oh, my <laughs> um, God. The like
0: scrap, the melody, lyric, track, everything. New song. We're three weeks from shoot. Oh, my God. So, you know, I took Phil outside. We took a breath. And we went back in. And we, you know, we just started writing a new song and in three days we had a new song and that's the opening number in the movie. And now uh, it's released. Usher did a cover of it. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So when I say, yeah, like we had, you know, a lot of times like, all right, go like write a song now. Uh, I want song, which is the second song. We literally wrote in 15 minutes uh, and we wrote in 15 minutes and then we drove over to Dave's studio. office and performed it for him. Like, wow. we, this should be in
4: the movie. Oh my so God. it
0: was a lot of that, you know, I,
4: I, wow. I, I love those stories. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, we, we live for those stories. Like that is, right. that mm-hmm. is just the coolest, the coolest right. behind it, the scenes stuff.
0: It, it's cool to talk about it now, but at yeah, the, in time, the moment, right. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> right. And like you also, and this is probably, there's nothing, I mean, you've done so much, but I, I, I wonder that like people who have written you know, musicals after musicals. I mean, I wonder if this happens in the pop world too, but that like, you almost know to a certain degree that like a song is going to come. You're like, okay, so if we get in that position, then we need to write something, we will write something. But like you guys had never really written a musical before. Right. And it's like, no, not only does the opening number need to need to hit, but it also needs to accomplish X, Y, Z and all of these things and introduce yeah. character and, pro- and problem and all of the, you know, whatever. Yeah. So. I imagine that was pretty, pretty freaky.
0: Yeah, it was. And, and especially like you live with a song for a year, hundred revisions, like you, you know, you can't imagine a- another song there, like the, movie, right. and, but yeah. we had to. It's you know? so cool. It's yeah. So cool. We, we had to. And also with this movie, um, there was a thin line. Like we talked about it a lot. Like, um, this is a black movie, basically, you know, a black yeah. So, and we haven't had a black musical since the Wiz, really. Right. Yeah. So what, where, where does it live musically? You know, we didn't want it to be like the Wiz is very R&B and soul. Mm
2: -hmm. We don't,
0: we didn't want it to be too much like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Showman is very pop. So we didn't want it to be all the way in that corner also. Yeah. So there was a thin line of like, it's, it's gotta live in all those worlds. And then there's like Disney movies, which we all love, like the Mankin kind of thing. Like we wanted to live in that world too. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was a thin line, you know? Yeah. Hopefully we, we did a good job, we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Thanks. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, one, of the, one of the, you, you just touched on a second ago and we were wondering about this just because, I mean, it is, it's an all-black Christmas movie. I mean, it is a black cast. It's a black story. I, I wonder how much of that. I know John Legend's production company was involved, and um, you know, it, it, it feels unfortunate that that has to be remarkable in this day and age. But it is, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and just like,
0: mm-hmm. that. And also, this is the first black film. This is the first time uh, that we're seeing black people fly. Wow! Like in, huh. in this way. Um, I mean, there was like a Will Smith movie, right? But like to see like black kids flying,
3: yeah, right, um, in that kind of, like, of magical way—the Peter yeah, Pan like, way, yeah, kind of, yeah,
0: yeah. And that was important for David Talbert. You know, he has a seven-year-old yeah. son, and, and he just wanted black people to be represented in this way, and, and to have um, this like inspirational characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, really, really cool, man. Really cool. I mean a lot of times I'm like, I'm just a kid from Israel. What the hell am I doing here? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. It, yeah. Yes,
4: it's cool. Uh there, I did see, a, this is just sort of another like musical theater nerd question. I saw yeah. a picture on your website of Tom Kitt. Um, was yeah. he involved in, in, in some way as far as, I mean, he's like musical theater, led, yeah. you know, ro-
0: royalty that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was involved for a little bit. Um, we brought him as like the voice of Musical theater, you know, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, yeah right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, I forget when that was way before shoot. I, I think I don't remember. Maybe it was like a table read or something. Yeah, that so was yeah. involved, and uh, I, I know that I was I was insecure about the songs. I'm like, is this good enough for Broadway for musical theater? And he was like, Yeah, it's great. Don't worry about
3: it. Oh my god, that like, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's the king of that. He's written all sorts of different kinds of styles. He's mm-hmm. often brought on to to make something make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got things that hit like a rock shows and then he's got things like SpongeBob that right. just live in like this amorphous place. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. That's super interesting. I'm curious how, so, you know, you, you're, you improvise kind of the beginnings of songs and then you produce these high level demos uh, with, with MIDI tracks, meaning like uh, electrical, you know, mechanical, uh, Computer tracks essentially, like computer yeah. Yeah. orchestra tracks, and you bring those in, and and then at what did, did, then you record them live with the big orchestra. You yeah. like get the whole Netflix budget and do that thing. Exactly. <laughs> how long? How long was it until that process took shape? Like like, was yeah. that happening? Actually, really the the, I'm getting to the question. Don't worry, it'll come <laughs> eventually. Um, <laughs> were you watching the film while you guys were making those orchestration ch- choices and, and composing or, or did that happen um, pre-production of
0: the actual film? Right. Um, so, well, I learned that, you know, this is my first movie. Sure. Never made a mu- movie before. I never made a musical before. So I what learned A child that- by fire, like just yeah. jumping in <laughs> yeah. the deep
4: end, like Netflix,
0: just everybody like, you know, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, So movies have, like, three main parts, like, periods. Uh, There's the pre-production, there's, like, the production, which is shoot and everything that, you know, rehearsals and shoot, and then the post, post post-production. For our movie, I think the first part was about eight months, second part was about eight months, and then the next part was about a year. Um, So when we get to shoot and we have these demos uh these fully flushed out demos like yeah they have like what the orchestra is going to play what the drummer is going to play and and they shoot to that and then when we were in post um there was an orchestrator and a a film composer also at that point and they took my my midi stuff and just kind of translated it to an orchestra Mm. um And we did all of that, by the way, during COVID. So we recorded the orchestra in London at Air Studio on Zoom. So there was a period of about two months, I want to say April and May of this year, where I had to wake up every day at six o'clock in the morning and and watch an orchestra play on these songs. And uh, also the way we did that was uh, they had to break up the orchestra. So strings were one day and then brass was one day and then woodwinds another day and the percussion another day. Um, but oh, we got man. it done. Yeah. And then they did, so they did the songs for, I don't know, maybe five weeks and then they did the score for another, I don't know, month and a half or something.
4: Oh man. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems like, like the, like you missed almost the best part. Like you didn't get to be there yeah. for the record. I mean, cause we see these videos, like I've made, I made one cast album for a new musical, which was an amazing experience, but, you see these these videos of like you know the the entire Beauty and the Beast orchestra, right? And and there's there's uh, Jerry Orbach and Angela Lansbury and Alan oh. Maken's like sitting in the back with Howard Ashman like smoking a cigarette, talking about like <laughs> what the what the fuck are we gonna do? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, so you guys had to do that. That sucks, but you know, yeah. I, I'm sure you know. I, I have on the next
0: some, one. Uh, I have some videos on my phone of me taking a video of the computer, you know, with the yeah. Zoom.
4: Yeah. God, what a time!
0: Yeah, yeah. Gosh,
4: that's so crazy. What? Um, I had a question too because you've you've worked on you've you have worked on on some TV projects as well. And so, like, I mean, this is a very kind of lame question, but I do wonder about the difference between you know working on a pop, you know, working with a pop person artist, you know, working on a record, and then and then going to work for for TV, um, mm-hmm. or something that has that sort of you know the narrative behind it,
0: right? that process is like for you? Um, Yeah. So I, so I worked for a year. I worked with Rodney Jerkins, uh, who's a super producer. Uh, I attribute a lot of my growth as a songwriter and producer to working with him. He, um, he made like when he was like 21, he, he was working with Michael Jackson. He made his last album, Invincible. Wow. And he's had a million hits with Beyonce and Mariah and a lot of people. And so, um, I worked with him for a year. I'd go up to his house every day and just working with him, watching him. Um, And then for the last few months I was there, we worked uh, with Lee Daniels on empire and star two TV shows that have a lot of songs in them. Yeah. And so I saw how he works with a director and how to write for a character and, um, you know, what works on TV versus pop music, like radio. Um, writing with a story, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. So to answer your question, I'm not sure like, cause that, those are like pop zones. Um, I've also done scoring. Like I've scored a few things and, and right. that's just like, you have to capture the emotion that's on the, on the screen. Um, yeah. Did expensive. you, did you do any
4: scoring for Jingle Jangle or was that separate? No, that
0: was John Debney, who's okay. a genius. He did elf and showman and, uh, Passion mm-hmm. of the Christ. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, cuz
4: I cuz yeah. watching the trailer there there's like this moment that I wanted to talk about because in the trailer first of all there's like like some crazy electric guitar and a beat right as as Madeline Mills is like discovering the toy and stuff and so mm-hmm. I'm like okay this is like this is a new First of all, this is a new Christmas movie with that, mm. that you know, f- you know, with music from our time, but also like, does Carol of the Bells have to be the only song that is used when mm-hmm. something is foreboding? It's right. like, oh no, something is wrong. And right. now cue yeah cue, yeah, cue, yeah, cue, yeah, cue a remix <laughs> of Carol of the Bells, whether it's it's this or whether it's Home Alone, right. like that's always been it. So I was like, right. I was like, who had right. their,
0: their finger on that button? Mm. I, I, don't, I don't know. Say, I I saw the trailer with everybody else. That, you know, it's so I, cool. I didn't see it before. I've right. watched the movie a zillion times at this point. Right. I think right. when we came back from shoot yeah. in London, the first version of the movie was three and a half hours long. Oh, wow.
4: Of course. <laughs>
0: uh, and now... So like, is
4: most musicals. Most musicals are like way, way too long.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> they start... Yeah. Yeah. There was a song that was cut out, actually, from the film. Uh, that, was, that was a tough one. Just put a lot of work into it, and it's just mm-hmm. cut out. But uh, I think it's gonna be on the soundtrack. Yeah, that was my next question. Yeah, it's gonna like. be on the soundtrack, and Nika Noni Rose sings it. Yeah, so those things happen. You can't, you know, they say your songs, are your babies, or whatever, sometimes you have to yeah. give them away, or kill them, or whatever. <laughs>
3: totally yeah totally. it's yeah. so hard uh-huh. um what would you say what would you say has been you know you've talked about a lot of the challenges and and cutting songs is definitely a challenge what's your what's your biggest challenge as a songwriter or is there a time when you can remember that uh you know you had to get over some some insane hurdle you've obviously had so much success in your career but was there a time you can remember that was particularly hard on you
0: mm. well I would say and first of all, I'd say I'm, I'm not where I want to be I'm, or where I'm going to. So sure. I'm still facing hurdles every day. Um, I think the hardest part with songwriting and production is that often, and, and the higher levels you go, there are so many cooks in the kitchen. And mm-hmm. there's so many people that have to like what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just tough. Uh, everyone has an opinion. Right. Um, you know, the managers and the lawyers and the, the hairstylist and everybody. Right, <laughs> <will have a laughs> right, right. And so it's hard to kind of nail, to nail it and, and to get to like, all right, this is it, you know, because when I send something and it leaves my studio, like I feel good about it. Uh, right. But then it takes people, you know, 10 seconds to know if they like it or not. Yeah, so, right. That's tough, and especially you know on the higher levels when you're dealing with A and R's or music supervisors, like these people listen to 500 songs a day. So, right. some something that I slaved over for a week and tweaked and did, you know, thought about every little part. You know, they listen to for 30 seconds, and they're like, "Nah, thanks, next." Oh okay. <laughs> God, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's tough. That's still <laughs> that's still kind of tough. You, that's you, brutal. You, yeah. You kind of have to have thick skin about it and, and you have to keep making stuff and, and like having that level of, of detail and, you know, and, um, and I, I think in today's world, like you have to know how to do everything. Um, and, you know, everybody knows that now, but um, like me, like I wanted to be a songwriter and producer, but I have to be a mixing engineer and a recording engineer. And I have to know how to yeah. uh, tune vocals and like, Um, During COVID, I've really gotten better at mixing, which is something I never thought I would do. I always thought, you know, I always like sent it out to somebody else to mix. Mm -hmm. But now, like, you know, it's like I don't have time to do that or I just need to to have things sound awesome, you know, leaving my room. So you have to know all these things, you know. It's a lot. It's a lot. And you have to keep up with the times and the sounds and, you know, it's. Yeah. Like one sound can ruin your song. If it sounds like two years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah.
3: how do you, how do you stay with the trends? How do you, how do you know what's, what's
0: everything is supposed to sound like now? Right. How do
3: you get ahead that way?
0: Right. Well, I listen a lot. Usually Thursday nights are my listening time. Um, cause music comes out on Friday. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Friday at midnight or whatever. So I like, I usually listen to like four or five new albums. Um, wow. Every Thursday night, so I listen a lot, and yeah. um, then I'm I'm up on like the software and sounds and, yeah. and all, all the gear, yeah. Yeah, yeah, gear stuff. What people are doing, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah,
4: you mentioned you mentioned. I mean, this is one of our existential <laughs> questions. But you mentioned like where you want to be. Where do you? Where, where would? Where is that for you? What do you see
0: it when you when you think about that? Um, well, I I've always loved hit songs. Um, since I was a kid, I just love hit songs. Uh, if, if, if you ask me like what music I would take to a deserted Island, I would take the top 10 billboard songs from the fifties to today. Like I just love hit songs. Um, yeah. so my goal has always been to contribute at least one song to the American karaoke book, you know,
4: nice. Uh, <laughs>
0: that's a goal. That's cool. Um, and working with somebody like Philip, who's contributed like twenty of them, <laughs> right, right, uh, right, is awesome. And just watching how he he does it, and and how him and Bruno have done it, um, it is you know you can't pay for that kind of education. Right. That's
4: uh, that's so cool. And like you say, you you just hit the nail on the head. You want to be around people who make you better and. You yes. know, people who like push you in a way that you want to be pushed and yes. you know that, yeah, I mean, we- that's perfect. So, I mean, you couldn't be closer to, you know, you couldn't be closer to
3: that goal, you know, in a way. Right. No. So Maybe you'll get one here. Maybe one of these songs will just be
0: I the song so.
3: that all young kids want to sing.
0: I hope so. And uh, another goal um, is I really enjoyed working on a project like this long term. Um, yeah. Like working on something for that long. I like working with a lot of people you know, a lot of creatives. Um, so more projects, another movie musical be awesome. Um, great. You know, Sounds Atlanta. good to us. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what, uh, what's in the future for Phil and I, but we are, we are so good with each other. We've known each other since 20 2005 and yeah. we're, we just, we know each other's, uh, just how we write and, and, uh, our pitfalls and like what, you know, we just, it's just great to know a friend and a writer so well and you build together. And, um, you know, it's obviously like him and Bruno have done that so well. Right. Um, yeah. so I'm just honored to, to, to be around him and to, to keep doing
4: it. I, so, I love it. And I got one more, can I ask one more like sort of tacky question? Cause sure. just from a music, from a music musician perspective, like when you come up with an idea and you want to send it over to Phil or send it to a collaborator, um, or you want to show them. I mean, I can imagine there's like that, that scene in the movie in our minds where like, it's just, you walk over to the piano and you're like, Hey, just check this out. I got this idea. Yeah. Is that really what it's like? Yeah. Yeah. That's it.
0: Usually <laughs> like, yeah. It, like, write, <laughs> Writing. For, what a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Writing for this movie. Um, you know, when you're writing for a movie musical, you get the script and there's no songs in the script. Of course. And a lot of times there's no, Sometimes he'll put like, okay, a song should be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, you know, it's not there. So we have to come up with, with, with it. And so we look at the script and we're like, we think a song should happen here or this character should have a song. And so we write it and we present it. And usually the way it happens is like, Phil is here. We're like, okay, well, let's write for this character. And then I just start playing something. Yeah. So I have to come up with something like which is like the musical DNA of it and the vibe of it and the chords and you know, wh- whatever it's gonna be. So I, I do something and then he starts improvising and we have the tape going on, we record it. And then usually there's something there. You know, we listen back and we're like, oh, that's a good line. Oh, let's use this. And then, and then we start writing. That's usually how it happens. Sometimes, uh, and Phil and I have gotten really good at this, Phil will be in the car and he'll just sing a melody and he sends me that melody and I put it in my, you know, in logic and I start writing to that. I like, I put it in, you know, with a click and time and I, I start writing to it. You know, I put chords and drums and everything. So we'll do that too. Uh, wow. But a lot of times it's just me like improvising a groove or like chord progression or, you know, a vibe and, and, and then we'll go off from that. That's so, exactly
4: but, what I wanted to know. That is yeah. the exact it, answer
0: yeah. that I was I wanted. Thank you very it's much. Always <laughs> hard because you're always like, is he gonna like it? Is this good? There's always that. Or even when right. I send him something, or even the director, like I, you know, I can send him an MP3, and I'm just looking at the phone to see if they replied. You know, like for hours. Oh yeah, right. If they didn't reply after six hours, They hate it, or you know, yeah. Still going so that. <laughs>
3: Listening back, being like, "Is this the worst thing I've ever done? Oh, am I sure. am I good. done? Am I finished?" Oh, sure. Yeah. For sure. Always. Uh-huh. Do you have any advice for uh, for people who might want to get into songwriting or something mm-hmm. you wish you'd known back in the day before we let you go?
0: Okay, so here it is. So <clears throat> with songwriting, there are a lot of like parameters. I call it like there's like how well you write melodies and how well you write lyrics, how well you write choruses how well you write opening lines, how well you write chord changes, how well you write bridges, right? And that's just songwriting. Then there's production, how well you program drums and pick your sounds and orchestrate and all of that. So you're not going to get good at all of those things at once, obviously. You're going to get good at like a few things with each song by like very little. If that makes sense. Yeah it just takes years for you to build all those skills because those are so many skills there. There's just so many skills. And then, you know, there's the recording aspect of it. How do you record vocals? How do you arrange background vocals? How do you tune vocals, um, vocal production, ad libs, all that stuff. It takes years, uh, getting good at this stuff. And, um, I think every song teaches you something. Um, you know, some songwriters say finish every song that you start. I, I, I'm, I don't think so because there's definitely. I mean, I'm I'm probably up to two thousand songs written by this point. Um, I definitely didn't finish a lot of them. There's definitely songs that I took them as far as I could and I abandoned them. Um, so
2: yeah,
0: I would say my my recommendation is take it as far as you can for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and. And as far as you can in that moment is the best you can do for that song in that moment. And if you don't have anything else to give the song, just move on, start a new one.
4: It's so sick. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. No, it is. It's like, and it's, and it's for all, it feels, you know, equitable for all art and, you know, for writing and acting, it's like, you know, different roles, things, the stuff that we do. That's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. It's so complex. I mean, even just like playing piano, there's so many things that you can be good at um, that you need to be good at. It just takes years, man. It just takes mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And you can't is- time. Yeah, so...
4: No, that's fantastic. Uh, that's yeah. I mean, is Dan. You got anything else? I mean, I could sit and, and just nerd out about you know the specific specs on the keyboards behind you for the next hour, <laughs> but that won't be helpful for
0: anybody. Right? We'll we'll, we'll lose <laughs> okay. listeners
4: by the second.
0: But I'll just say there's nothing newer than uh, like the newest keyboard here is is from
2: '85. <gasps> wow. I'm
0: a nerd <sighs> for like really old stuff. This is my latest that. purchase: this is ARP 2600,
4: 1971. Unbelievable! Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. <laughs> that's so wow. cool. Um. This is so great, David. Thank you for for Hi, thank you so nice much for talking being here. to us. This. this was this was great, and thank you to Shoshana. Yes. Um. Thank you to our listeners. Jingle Jangle, written directed by David E. Talbert, starring Forest Whitaker, Felicia Rashad, and Keegan Michael Key, comes to Netflix today. Hmm. Holiday season is here.
0: Let's do it. Thank, thank you. you so much, you guys. This was awesome.
3: Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are produced by Dan Tracy and Joe Carroll, your hosts. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals or on Twitter at MusicalGuys. For more information about us or our show, please visit our new website at musicals.com. You can find our merch store, our Patreon page, and more. Thanks for listening.